Live, laugh. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? My name is Daniel. And I'm Christian. And we are joined by the 2022-2019-2018 announcer of the year. Dave Meltzer said that you were the uh, announcer of the 2010s. And we are joined by Kevin Kelly. How are you doing today? Wonderful, gentlemen. It is uh, it is great to be with you. I dig that little intro stinger, that little piece of music there. It'll wake you up for sure, no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, three-time... Uh, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with the the product that you call. There's probably some really good announcers out there that sure. we don't know about. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome, man. Um, this is really cool for me, like from a fan perspective, because um, New Japan is kind of what got me back into wrestling was that um, Omega Okada match because I kind of fell out of it. And a friend was like, hey, you should watch this. So then, of course, I was all about New Japan. And by association, that very much got me into your announcing so so now that we're here all this time later it's the very full circle so i really appreciate you taking the time it's wonderful to hear that and that you know again so many fans that one match uh helped launch them either back into professional wrestling mm -hmm. after being lapsed for a while or uh transitioned from active fan of one company to new japan but you know uh guys like kenny omega and chris jericho uh, and Okada, Tanahashi, uh, they all deserve a ton of credit uh, for helping to launch the company into the modern era, into the era of now. Awesome. Oh, uh, before we get started, I understand um, you and Brutal Bob Evans have a, uh, a hand in a wrestling promotion called American Excellence, and you've got a little bit about that. Uh, we'd love to give you the opportunity to get that out of the way uh, up front so people um, know about it right away. This Saturday, well, yeah, we're uh, uh, Bob is is helping out on the matchmaking end. Uh, it's been a great experience. It's in it this Saturday, and all of our events are in Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Which, okay. if you're not from Pennsylvania, if you're not from this region, you go, what is that? Why is it to have like this German city's name? Well, it's a sister <laughs> city, but Hamburg, Pennsylvania, happens to be a historic home for pro wrestling. They have a great venue, the Hamburg Fieldhouse. Uh, which dates all the way back to the 1950s. But in starting in the 60s, Vince McMahon Sr. produced his TV in two towns, in Allentown and in Hamburg. Mm -hmm. So Wednesday nights was the place to be, man. And that's where we're running. In fact, the lighting rig that sits above the ring is the same lighting rig that Vince Sr. paid for way back when. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and this Saturday, we have our Honor Autism Awareness event. Uh, it's an annual. I came into the company one year ago. Uh, this was the first time I, I went to an event at the Hamburg Fieldhouse. And I was brought in just to help coach and, uh, you know, guide guys through uh, doing promos and how to act and what to do. And I just kind of fell in love with the place. So talked to the partners, wanted to get involved. And I'm doing so just it's not costing them anything. I'm not making a dime out of it. And that's okay. Because I want to see this promotion grow. I want to see my ideas of how wrestling can and should be promoted in the local level in the modern era, how it should be done. You guys like baseball? You're baseball fans? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. I love baseball. I'm a New York Mets fan. I'm sorry. And yeah, I know. <laughs> it hurts. Um, but, you know, and again, we all have a lot of people have minor league baseball in their town. Mm -hmm. Minor league baseball is related to, and sometimes you could get lucky. You could have 
your team's affiliate mm-hmm. in your city. Yeah. But you might go to one, two, maybe three games a year. You know, they play 80-something home games, sixty between 60 and 80 home games a year. Yeah. How do they draw people? They don't have stars. They don't have rivalries. They don't have what it, it community. Mm. Right. It's it's just community. They're doing fundraisers for this or that. They're selling tickets to groups. They're they're inviting people from an office to come out and enjoy, mm. you know, a night together. And that's really our philosophy. The main thing is charity. Yeah. And that's where we're uh, focusing on is helping raise money for different groups like this Saturday, the Autism Society of Berks County, which is where Reading, which is Reading and uh, Hamburg is. Yeah. Um, we're working with them to make sure that they have what they need. Uh, and at the same time, providing like a, a great night out. We're kind of gearing our event towards those on the spectrum. Now mm-hmm. we don't have flashing lights and we don't we don't fancy stage show or any of that. But we keep the music a little lower for sensory issues just in case. Yeah. And we've been, you know, fortunate to get donations from local businesses. So mm-hmm. it folks will be able to hopefully win a raffle. Yeah. Uh, and get some great prize again. All this goes the Autism Society. Plus, we're working with Hurley's Heroes, which is another organization, uh, and we'll probably continue working with him down the road. Hurley's a great guy. He was, you know, danced with death a couple of different times and mm-hmm. had organs transplanted, and he decided that he wants to just help less fortunate kids, special needs kids. So we're going to play cornhole before the before the event. Nice. And they'll get wow. to take pictures. They'll get to take pictures in the ring. They'll get to do this. They'll get to do that. It's just a fun night. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We got wrestling as well. Don't worry about that. The wrestling's <laughs> taken care of. Uh, Martin Stone is in the main event. He's, you know, oh, wow. Danny Birch from NXT. He's challenging for the AXW heavyweight title. Uh, Martin Stone, great friend of Bob Evans. And uh, I think Ian Bush is going to have his hands full. We might have a new champion crown. Derek Neal. Uh, the final in their trilogy against Matt Quay, uh, tag team titles, Beastmasters debuting, uh, it, you know, and a lot of like, you know, a lot of guys like uh, Sean Carr, TJ Boss, uh, oh, wow. names that oh, have TJ. been from various regions of the country mm-hmm. that we've gotten to know throughout the years. That's and awesome. they're all coming in. We're also doing a Robbie Rumble. Now, Robbie is Bob Evans' son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob's son, Robbie, on the autism spectrum, as is my oldest son. Uh-huh. Uh one of Robbie's gifts is he he could tell you the order of uh, elimination entrance and elimination of every Royal Rumble. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so we said, cool. well, he's perfect to set the lineup. So he set the lineup for the Robbie Rumble. That's awesome. Uh, and and you know we'll see who does that. The winner of that gets uh, gets to represent Malachi, who's a, a special needs kid, a, a kid on the spectrum. Uh, he's nonverbal, but he's the World Autism Champion. Oh, cool. uh, he's got this belt. But he can't go and wrestle. He's just a kid. So he needs a wrestler to wrestle for him all around the world. And so that's, that's what we're awesome. doing on Saturday. We're crowning uh, a representative, a wrestling representative for the World Autism Championship in the Robbie Rumble. Uh, a great night of action. Tickets start at 5 bucks. If you want to order online, axwtix.com. I'll be there. Um, we I ordered seat cushions. I'm going to start selling seat cushions. <laughs> I'm very excited about that because this hard wooden chairs yeah. kill me. And I can imagine how others feel. So uh, we're going to do brisk business at the uh, at the seat pad stand. That's that's my pitch. Sorry, sorry. I'm super passionate about it. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's incredible, and like it's so great to give back that way. And and I've never heard independent wrestling, and I love this. 
described as minor league baseball. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's the same, it's the same yeah. thing. It's just yeah. about the experience in the community. We just want we just want people to come out. We just want a hundred thousand people uh, to come out once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. We divide that up pretty evenly. We'll have a thousand people a show. There you go. That's we awesome. have a quarter of a million, over a quarter million people in our region, and the baseball teams, the Reading and Harrisburg teams, generally draw anywhere between fifty and eighty thousand a year. Yeah. Okay. So we can do that. Yeah. No, they draw more than that. They draw. So add another zero. It's like 300,000. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Well, that's awesome. But, yeah, that's all we need. <laughs> so you guys are coming out Saturday, right? Oh, absolutely. My, where, are you uh, lo- where are you located? <laughs> We're outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah, that's right. But um, my wife's family is from Kutztown. So. Oh, beautiful. That's right there. Yeah. So maybe we'll have to. We'll have an excuse to visit. Come out for a show. Visit some family. <laughs> September is our le- September is a great time. September is our Legends of Hamburg Fieldhouse event. So there's going to be uh, some great legends. You can get tons of autographs. Uh, Kurt Angle's going to be there. Scotty Too Hotty, um, and some more. I called in some favors. Um, <laughs> and we're also doing Battlefield X. So the some of the elements that we used to have in PWX that uh, that we created, we're we're bringing up with us to uh, to Hamburg. So Battlefield X uh, coming in September. And uh, the X-16 is going to happen in 2024. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, um, what I'm curious, because just format of the podcast, um, what, where does your story with wrestling start? Like, is it when you're a kid? Does it come later? Like, what, what is that origin story looking like? It, when I lived in New York, uh, when I grew up, uh, I lived in New York until I was nine. Uh, wrestling was, and this is in the 70s. So wrestling was not prominent on, you know, the Saturday docket like it like it was in through the 80s. Yeah. Um, There was one show on a week that I knew of, and it was on at midnight on a Saturday night. Um, And it was on Channel 9. So we lived in New York City. We didn't have cable. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, turn the turn the dial. I was the remote control for my father. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. Stop. What's that? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Um. And I was up one night with a stomach ache or something like that. I wasn't feeling good and was laying on the sofa. And all of a sudden wrestling started. Oh, what's this? And my dad jumped out and said, all right, wait a second. Now, before you start watching this, let me explain to you how it works and proceeded to tell me 10 different ways that wrestling was fake. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't care. I just want to watch it. Yeah. And that really was, and I probably watched, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes of it. I remember seeing Andre the Giant in the uh, opening credits. Um, and, you know, so then that was that. And before, around that same time, uh, it, in fact, it could have I'm not sure. But I remember that um, Andre the Giant was on the $6 million man, which I thought was super cool. Mm-hmm. So I watched, I made sure I watched that. Super, uh, $6 million man was my favorite show. And having Andre the Giant on it, a wrestler who I remember seeing in the opening credits, yeah. or maybe I remembered him from from uh, Six Million Dollar Man. But anyway, that was my origin story. That was my first inclination into wrestling. Was was Andre the Giant was my father, mm-hmm. uh, and was a you know late night up with a stomachache watching wrestling. Huh. There then, you go. Fa- then fast forward to Florida, where we moved in 1977. Hey, what's this cable TV? Well, the cable guy is coming over on Saturday to set it up, and he sets it up, and 
Uh, we still had the same old crappy TV from New York. Um, so when you turned it on, the sound came on first, then the picture warmed up. Mm-hmm. And the first voice I heard as the TV was coming on was Gordon Soley. <laughs> and the picture comes up, and it's a little bit afternoon on Saturday afternoon, and and it's championship wrestling from Florida. Mike Graham was wrestling somebody. Um, and that's it. That would I was hooked from that moment on. I I never left pro wrestling. I knew what I wanted to be instantly. Did you want to be a wrestler? No. I wanted to be the announcer. Oh, from the from the very beginning, that's you knew what you wanted to do. Completely. That's awesome. Um, who are some of the characters that kind of drew you into wrestling, or that kind of followed you through your early childhood journey? Well, with- when you when you grow up in Florida, gentlemen, you got Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> and it it was a special time because he was, you know, he was really gathering that momentum and and becoming this worldwide star i believe what he said that he was the number one mm-hmm. sports attraction um and that he was one day going to win the nwa world title i will never ever 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 forget that day 1981 when the show came on and telling the story of how dusty had won the world title the previous tuesday in tampa <laughs> and it was just incredible um i was on cloud nine so yeah, that was he, that was my guy, and everybody else kind of w- fell down off of that. Then you know, then about that same time, now cable starting to expand, and we get Georgia Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saturdays on uh, TBS, and that was interesting. That was different, but a lot of the same guys that mm-hmm. had been in and out of Florida um, with the same announcer, Gordon. So I had Gordon Soley with me for you know two to three hours every week. Yeah. Were you were you attracted to like the larger than life personalities, or or was it the in ring style, or what kind of drew you in? Or was it just a total package deal? I couldn't have cared less about the matches. The matches were on television, boring, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. they were just squash matches, and it was the angles and the interviews that was what yeah. drew me in. That's what I cared about. Um, now you're you're giving them wrestling. You have to give mm-hmm. them wrestling. Yeah, you can't just give them all, you know, interviews and angles. Um, so it's a because the sport was still being marketed, you know, with a small M mm. as real, and we'll show you how real we are. Yeah, um, and that's why some of the beatings on the enhancement guys on television were so intense because they really wanted to get over the fact that that wrestling was real. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that would lead to some debates, of course, at school and some fights at school that mm. I was in because, you know, <laughs> how dare you? But I really, you know, it wasn't the, the wrestling. Some of the wrestling was really good. Like Mike Graham and Steve Kern were a favorite tag team of mine. I love those guys. Yeah. And uh, Jack and Jerry Briscoe were terrific to watch. Um, the Mass Superstar was one of my favorites. Um and wrestling two was cool and tommy rich was cool there, there was a lot of cool dudes on there yeah. um there were guys that i always wanted to see more of that kind of came in and out mm-hmm. um you know but i always liked i always liked that uh changing variety ernie ladd how could you not love ernie ladd my god i hated that guy when i was a kid <laughs> um but yeah it was awesome 
And then as, as wrestling got bigger, my fandom got bigger. And then I'm like in high school and thinking about college and knowing that I want to be an announcer, but not knowing how I'm going to do it. So yeah, that seems like wrestling. There's always, you can kind of go to a, find a school, find somebody locally, but to be an announcer, um, what are some of the steps that you took to like make that a reality? I didn't take any steps. <laughs> it, what I did was I went, okay. And, and I'll tell, I'll say what I did and then I'll say what I would recommend because mm-hmm. they're two totally different things. Yeah. Uh, mine was luck. I went to Florida state university because Ron Simmons played football there. Not because Ron Simmons became a wrestler, although that helped, Yeah. but I was, I was hooked watching, um, Ron Simmons and Florida state play in the orange bowl in yeah. like 81. And then, uh, so I wanted to go there. Then I was a little bit torn because Bo Jackson was at Auburn and I was like, wow, Auburn. But because I lived in Florida, uh, going to school in Alabama was really expensive. So I chose the cheap in-state route and I went to Florida state, um, and went there one year and it was, uh, my father had passed away and, and I was kind of bummed and I wasn't feeling it. So I came back home. I finished my AA degree, which is what everybody should do. Mm-hmm. Don't spend money in university for your first two years. It's a joke. Um, just get your associate's degree and then you're ready to go. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, then. Um, so now I'm in school and I'm in the communications program and I'm working at the radio station at Florida State V89 mm-hmm. and I'm doing sports and I'm calling games, but I don't have a clue what I'm going to do after that. And I, but I knew that I always wanted to get into wrestling and they were, you know, some of my guys that I worked with, what are you going to do after school? Uh, I want to become a wrestling announcer. Oh, a wrestling announcer. Oh, what a, yeah, I, I know. I'm just joking. I want to work at ESPN. Um, so it was, uh, what the hell do I do? Uh, graduate, go back home, working at a radio station. Still want to get into wrestling. Have no idea. Um, and the phone rings at the radio station. The um, traffic coordinator answers. Uh, and she said, because I happen to be standing right there, Kevin, somebody's on the phone. They're looking for a ring announcer for a wrestling show. Do you know anybody? Give me that phone. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, and that was how I got into it. Sure. Wow. wow. Absolutely. The thing you absolutely wanted to do just presented itself. Fell into my lap. Huh. Okay. Now, once you get that opportunity, you've got to prove that you're not a goof, mm. uh, that you're reliable. And that you you have some talent. So I was all three of those things. Not a goof, Ooh. reliable, and had some talent. What I would do if I was anybody listening to this and you want to be an announcer uh, or a non-wrestling role in wrestling, please don't tell me you want to be a writer. Go away. <laughs> go, go to Hollywood. Go become a writer. Don't worry about writing storylines in wrestling. That's fiction just get lost go go to hollywood but if you want to be an announcer if you want to do something like that go volunteer at a wrestling promotion you know what wrestling needs wrestling needs promoters and if you want to get excited and if you want to get somebody excited about you man come up with a way to sell some tickets put some asses in those seats and those people are going to love you yeah and they're going to let you do whatever you want but in the meantime Go and learn about the business. Show up, volunteer. Can I set up chairs? I just want to volunteer. Absolutely. Don't tell them what you want to do. 
Set up the chairs. Stand in the back of the room. Watch the show. Take notes. Don't say anything to anybody. Then at the end of the show, take down those chairs. Help put everything away. Show up again the next show. And keep doing that. Eventually, they're going to get to talk to you, right? Because they're Mm -hmm. going to see you all the time. Well, what a nice guy. He just comes and helps and sets up chairs. What is it that you want to do there, friend? Well, actually, I want to be an announcer. Oh, interesting. Okay, good. Um, Keep setting up those chairs. Keep. Hey, you got a car? Yeah. Can you go to the airport and pick up so-and-so? Of course I can. Um, Be reliable. Be professional. And eventually you'll get to what you want to do. Yes, it's a long road and people run out of patience. Mm -hmm. But my God, if you could bring a few people to the show who buy tickets, uh, that'll be pretty good. And then if they have an opportunity for announcing, maybe you could squeeze into that. Or you get to know people because there are other people there who are involved in other shows. And, hey, so-and-so said you want to be an announcer. I, I know a guy who knows a guy who needs an announcer. Okay, great. That Once I got in the business, that was how I kind of got my – that was how I began to work other places. But, uh, yeah, the start was very non-traditional. My, my mm-hmm. uh, late great friend Cliff Anderson, God rest his soul, Cliff Sheets, he, uh, he was the one that made the call to the radio station. And got me my first job in ring announcing for him and also got me my audition for television. Mm. Uh, so it was kind of like a one-stop shop <laughs> to go from there. But, yeah. you know, nowadays, nowadays there's a lot more announcing opportunities, a lot more broadcasting opportunities because of streaming Internet. Uh-huh. So why not, you know, take advantage of it? But to get there, you might have to trip over a few people uh, who will be less reliable, less professional, mm-hmm. more of a goof uh, yeah. than you. So don't be a goof. <laughs> <laughs> Rule number one. That's awesome. So you um, kind of are, are taking the path. Like I think it, when you're a wrestler too, it's kind of just getting the reps in, being there, being reliable. At what point uh, you said the the television interview? How did that come? Where you realized that hey, I could do this like as a career, like and be like super like successful with it. I well. That's two separate things. <laughs> Make it a career and be super successful at it. Uh-huh. I didn't look at, I didn't, uh, those th- were, to me were exclusive. Okay. Um, I wanted to make a career of it and I didn't need wealth and fame and riches. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're married and you have kids, you got to have other income. You got to bring money in because you got to pay the bills. So that's that was that balance. That was hard to that was hard to do when I was in. I'll tell you the story. So first, of course, you know you're making no money. It's twenty five bucks. It's a hundred bucks. It's whatever it is. It's just very small, and that's great. Um, first person I worked for was Eddie Mansfield. I'm very thankful to him. He gave me my shot on television, and without him, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and again just trust trust and faith that i could do it and you know enthusiastic support um there wasn't a lot of money but again gave me gave me what i needed to get Mm. along the way and then of course became friends with billy gunn through working there and you know i'm contractually obligated to say billy gunn got me my job (laughs) in wwf (laughs) (laughs) so i've fulfilled my contractual obligation no it's not but but no he did he he put the word in in the office that I was looking for a ring announcing gig uh, on a run of house shows in Florida. And he said that to Bruce Pritchard, who said, you know him? 
we've been looking for him. We wanted to bring him up for an audition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Billy reached out to me. I called Bruce. And there we go. So in the span from uh, February of 1991 to June of 1996. And there were a lot of stops and starts along the way. My, my wife was pregnant with our first son uh, a year or two before that. And I was like, and I did a show at a bar. And I didn't, and it was a good payday because it was with a radio show. Uh-huh. But I didn't want to be there because uh, Cuban assassin, uh, Dave Sierra, another great mentor of mine, mm-hmm. great friend, told said to the locker room, you know, more than one occasion, you want to wrestle in bars? You want to work in bars? Go be a bartender. You want to be a wrestler? You work in arenas. You work in, you know, buildings. You don't wrestle in bars. Uh, there was a stigma attached to bar shows, which were cropping up everywhere. And yeah. we're sort of cheapening the product and sort of bringing in that hardcore element, which, you know, it, the, not the best. Um, and so that, you know, I'm like, I'm looking out of the crowd and I see my pregnant wife and dudes are doing body shots off of girls in a wrestling ring. And I'm like, I didn't want to sign up for this. And I was ready to quit and then got an audition for WCW, uh, warming up the crowd at their MGM tapings. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, that was when I got the call from Billy Gunn. Yeah. To to uh, to reach out to Bruce Pritchard. So it all kind of fit together. Mm-hmm. Like I was getting ready right. to quit and then it lumps in. And that's another story, too. Don't quit, quit, because opportunities right around the corner. Yeah. And you don't know. And and action creates reaction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that reaction is the thing that you've wanted, the thing you've been striving to get. Well, keep working in this other area. If you're just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring, phone's not going to ring. But if you're out creating some positive momentum for yourself, good things can happen. The phone can ring. You know, yeah. the email can pop up. The opportunity is is right there. So just keep working and don't stop. Mm-hmm. And you don't, mentioned, be <laughs> don't be a goof. You mentioned <laughs> uh, warming up wrestling crowds for WCW. What is that like? Um, I know that like with talk shows, they'll bring in like comedians and kind of stuff. Uh, is that different for wrestling or how does that work? Never having been for a live television taping, I, I can only assume what that is like. But, but yeah, I wanted to tell the people who came in from the amusement park, and they're from all countries all around the world, right? Mm-hmm. It's the peak of summer, um, and they're just coming in to get cool and to watch a TV taping. They don't know what's going on. Oh, it's yeah. wrestling. Cool. Okay, well, what do we do? Um, and they didn't have, like, the applause sign. That was me. So I would mm-hmm. tell the people, hey, everybody, I'm Kevin, and I'm going to help you. Enjoy your experience. Everybody having fun. Everybody ready? Yay. Okay, good. Hey, what do we do when we see somebody that we like? Some, you know, somebody that we love, that we appreciate. Yay. And what do we do when we see somebody bad that we don't like? Okay, do that. I'll tell you what to do. When I do this, say yay. And I do that. And then I go, when I do this, you say boo, boo. Pretty simple. (laughs) Then I started like doing little things from having watched the shows, from having been a part of wrestling for you know, four or five years. So I knew when it was time for the comeback. So guys got a dude in a rear chin lock. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Start to get the people up. Yeah. And uh, so they would get with that. And it was, it was fun. It was easy peasy, man. I could have done that forever. Um, getting the uh, disco sucks chant was challenging. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I I think I made a sign or I had a sign from a somebody had a sign 
Like it was in a, a crew box or something. And I remember yeah. that. So I would hold up that sign and Disco Inferno would be out there and, you know, people chanting Disco sucks. Um, <laughs> Dance with Public Enemy, which was kind of funny. That was very funny. Yeah. Um, we had a good time. We had a real good time. Awesome. So you're doing that. You get the call for WWE. Um, what are your reactions to that? Because um, you're you're coming off of the point where you're like, I might just quit this. You're now you're working in the television studio, and then you get the call from WWF, who what, what is probably like right there with WCW, but it, it's more close to what you're looking to do. What are your thought process there, and and how do you approach that audition? Yeah, I was just like, um. I never really prepared for anything. I just kind of winged it. I never prepared. I rarely studied in school. I did a really bad job, guys, and I don't want anybody to do what I did. <laughs> um, I didn't really prepare. I never studied. I skated by. Um, and somehow it just all worked out. Um, and I, you know, again, it's just, I don't know whether it was preordained or what. But I, I just was like, okay, just when am I going to go and being in of the mindset, like, don't be a mark, don't be a goof, just show mm -hmm. up, do the thing and everything will be fine. Mm -hmm. And eventually it kind of, I mean, it kind of was, I got the job, but it was, it was way more political than I ever, uh, wrestling has always been, you know, it's cutthroat and whatever, whatever. But I had, I was sheltered. I was sheltered from all of that because I had so many good people around me. Whether I was working for my buddy Cliff, or I was working with Cuban, or I was working for Eddie Mansfield, or I was working for anybody else that I was working for in Florida, I was I was isolated, insulated from any of that cutthroat BS. Yeah. Um, and then you know, you kind of you get up in the major leagues, and now it's like, oh, okay, this is this is how the game is played, and it's it, it's always get over with the boys, get over with the boys. Or whatever. Well, that's one part. But then you got to get over with the TV studio. That's the other part. And that sometimes is harder than getting over with the boys. Yeah. Um, and that was the issue in WWF. Was, but but again, that who cares? The you know the question was about getting the job. The question was, what did I do now? What was I thinking now? It was just like, let's just go for it. And what the hell? We'll see how it goes. Yeah, but I, I was fairly confident that I was going to get the job. I don't know why. <laughs> and it, it just it just worked out. It was a oh. cattle call. They had brought in a bunch of people because Vince had wanted to step away from the microphone. Mm -hmm. He wanted to start producing backstage, et cetera. So you need somebody to replace Vince. So I guess throughout the day, they had brought people in from all parts of the country and various uh, callings past whatever they did. Um I never heard another name that was associated with that tryout, but I knew there were other people that had been coming in and out. And then at the end of the day, Bruce Pritchard and uh, Lisa Wolf, who was the head of HR at the time, they said, oh, you're our choice to be, meet Vince. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and the th I found out later that the third person on that panel who got outvoted two to one was Kevin Dunn, <laughs> who would be my boss. Yeah. Oh, no. And was not a nice man. Yeah. I've so there you go. And he was the one that, kind of stirred everybody up at the TV studio. And, you know, so that little fiefdom over there, that was more cutthroat than anything else I had ever experienced in a wrestling locker room. Yeah. But but those the people individually were nice, but the mm -hmm. kind of that hive mentality 
was was injurious. And yeah. Kevin Dunn, of course, being evil, um, he's you know he used his powers for for bad and not for good. Yeah. So uh, no matter what I did, but I got up every day like I'm going to try to get over with him today, and it mm. just didn't work out. Yeah. Is is that situation unique to? I guess just that moment, or is that something you encountered throughout your announcing career, or was that just a Kevin Dunn WWF deal? Because that's something we've heard a lot about Kevin Dunn that maybe isn't the nicest of dudes. Um, was it unique to just him and WWF, or is that something you encountered later? Um, no, because when I left WWF, then in Ring of Honor, I was I was in a higher up position. And in New Japan, I'm kind of isolated. So, yeah, it was pretty much just with him. Now, that's not to say that other announcers in other territories didn't deal with the same thing. How many people were nipping at the heels of Gordon Soley during the years? Yeah. Right. Were there young, up-and-coming, hopeful announcers who never got the shot because Gordon, you know, Heismaned them away from the microphone? I don't know. I never heard any stories. Yeah. Uh, you always hear that. Gordon was a great guy. You hear Lance uh, Russell was a great guy. I met Lance and got the chance to work with him once. It was fantastic. Got the chance to interview Gordon on an uh, episode of Bite This. Um, I was, you know, enamored with the whole thought. But I'm sure that there was political stuff. And, and who knows? It could have come from the television side. You go back to the, you know, the war in Atlanta and in 74 and Ed Caprell and uh, Gordon Soley and Les Thatcher were sort of the three men involved with two jobs and ed capper was the homestead announcer and gordon came in as the nwa announcer and and it was you know competitive to a certain extent eventually um you know uh, the capital broadcast came to an end and everybody just sort of matriculated over to gordon but ed capital was done in wrestling at that point so that's kind of the way it goes and that could have been by choice or whatever so, yeah, there's always politics in everything that we do. Um, there's no politics, for example, with you guys, unless you, you know, decide to have political debate amongst yourselves, right? Because <laughs> you can put up your own show whenever you want. You can, right. you can record and broadcast whenever you want. There's no, there's no boss. There's no higher ups. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it could have been, but I was, I was unaware of it. And it was the only place that I ever experienced okay. anything, whether before or after. Awesome. And your your time in WWE, it sounds like it may not have been the best, but you got, you were a part of some pretty cool like moments like TV wise and match wise. What was your favorite like moment that you were a part of while working? A lot of you know, and again with um uh, I've I've told the story about Pillman's got a gun a thousand times, so we can skip that today. Okay. And <laughs> The Rock was a great guy. Um uh, you know, Vince getting to do things with Vince was pretty cool if you think about it. And over the years, I've been, and and a lot of it is on this days on Twitter or Facebook. Yeah, and it's like, wow, I did that. I forgot I did that. You know, little things mm -hmm. that helped show because I got hired, and this is the this is the kind of the thing that I think about all the time. Now, yeah, I was hired to replace Vince, who was stepping away from the microphone because he wanted to produce stuff backstage. But the wrestling character, Mr. McMahon, was born out of him stepping away from the microphone mm -hmm. and now becoming, you know, the evil billionaire megalomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but I filled in his spot on the announce team. JR got promoted and I took JR's spot. Yeah. Um, and then I was there to talk to Vince, to interview Vince, to find out from Vince all the different things that were going on as the kind of that de-evolution of his character as he got more and more, mm. you know, uh, taken by his own ego and, and his own drive for success and and wanting to put his stamp on everything. That's pretty cool that I was there for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, an integral part of, like, that that character persona, um, like right. that origin story, like in in <laughs> the in the jump, in Vince McMahon's origin story, for years just the announcer, you're just a television announcer, Mister TV announcer. Eddie, you know, uh, Ernie Ladd would say that to him. You're just a TV announcer, and Vince always looked like he wanted to fight Ernie Ladd, right? Because he did. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, I hate you. And I'm going to one day I'm going to rule this entire industry with an iron fist. <laughs> and he, he couldn't. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> wow. That's and I was there to ask him the question. Do you want Stone Cold Steve Austin to win the WWF championship? Ah, Political answer, political answer. Thank you very much. And he started to step. Wait a minute. Listen to these people. They're not going to let you slide. The question is, do you want Stone Cold Steve Austin to win the WWF championship? Yes or no? It's not just no. It's hell no. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's ripping the, you know, that's Scooby-Doo ripping the, the mask off the bad guy. I'd have done it were it not for you meddling kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's That's the part that I think about. Is that mm-hmm. I got to be there, not just through the Attitude Era when there were a bunch of cool stuff that we did and television was wild, mm-hmm. but the both you know both character and real person Vince McMahon finally was unmasked, and that's that's the part that I was there for that nobody can ever take away from me. I don't care what anybody says. Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's what I think about a lot in terms of WWF and everything else. Uh, like I was just with um I was just with Tom Brandy a couple Mondays ago. Um we did a virtual signing for uh 80s wrestling con and it was fantastic and just catching up with him. I hadn't seen him in since he left the company 25 years ago. <laughs> I, how did I not run into him anywhere? But we never crossed paths and just catching up and you know, coming back together to talk about how we would, you know, if we weren't doing any, if we were doing stuff, we were busy. And if we weren't doing stuff, we were sitting there, you know, burying yeah. everybody, <laughs> but having fun. Yeah. Um, And that was, and that was it. That's awesome. I just kind of clicked together in my mind, but you were there for like the attitude era, which was like the next big progression in wrestling that kind of vaulted it forward. And then you also had the opportunity to be with ring of honor in like the heyday of like I would say modern Ring of Honor where it kind of catapulted the television era, the Sinclair era. Yeah, to yeah. what it is now. Um what was it like the adjustment of going I know there was a little bit of a gap in between, but working uh, on Ring of Honor with a, a vastly different product than what you were doing with WWE. It wasn't really wasn't really vastly different. Uh it was television mm-hmm. and it was television wrestling. So I was able to call matches without having to be mindful of 
uh, any WWE rules or picadillos. Yeah. Uh, and without an overabundance of promo reads or commercial breaks or anything like that. It was okay. very easy. Yeah. And just settling in and getting to know, getting to know the characters, getting to know who the wrestlers are. That, that always takes a little bit of time, a little bit of adjustment. Um, but then once, you know, I was kind of able to put my own stamp on some guys. Uh, I think it helped because we knew that we were growing a television audience. We knew we had the, the ring of honor, hardcore fans were always going to be fans. Yeah. Uh, but the television markets were different than the heritage live event markets. You know, the best crowds for Ring of Honor were drawn in uh, Toronto and New York and Dayton and New Jersey, et cetera, et cetera. And we didn't have television at any of those places. We had a lot of TV in North Carolina, uh, but yet we didn't run North Carolina because the brain trust in charge of of Ring of Honor was not that great. They yeah. were not fantastic. It was me and Cornette and Delirious and on the wrestling side. And then there was some office goofs. Didn't have a clue. Um, but yeah, we had a, we had a, so it was just great to tell the people about what this style was mm -hmm. and what the style was and what ring of honor was born from had kind of changed a little bit over the years, uh, and now was becoming a representative brand of modern professional wrestling, whatever it was, whatever, yeah. you know, so it was in 2000 because the style came out of left field the style was like what is this nobody's ever seen anything like this before it was just a special breed of athletes yeah uh you know born in the in the 90s who had just come out and now were on fire so they caught lightning in a bottle and then the progression of that stars around the world different different fields and forms of wrestling okay but now we're here we are in 2008 2009 2010 and that business model is starting to trend out DVDs going away, piracy, et cetera, a lot of issues. Uh, and it wasn't as financially viable as it was. Company was going to go out of business. Uh, Ring of Honor was, you know, Jim Cornette, thankfully, was able to get the company sold. Mm -hmm. Get Kerry Silken paid for all of his years of uh, funding. Um, and Kerry's been great over the years. Cornette was fantastic to me. And, but now here we are. So there were some holdovers from the older days of ring of honor and and uh a lot of the top guys of course you know the brian danielsons the cm punks etc they had moved on and they were in wwf they were big stars around the world yeah uh and we were saying you know okay so these are the these are now the new athletes who were taking over and and they're putting their stamp on it the kevin steens the el genericos mm -hmm. and then the jay lethals the briscoes um uh, those guys and young up-and-coming stars like adam cole, cole kyle riley um different names and and veteran guys that you know mike mondo rhino etc so we were able to take a lot of those stories and have them meld together and watch the company grow become its own yeah. thing and a new modern era of ring of honor was born then the relationship with new japan 2014 mm -hmm. that took that took the company to another level uh and that was and then that's how i wound up in new japan do um speaking of New Japan, do you have a favorite match you've called or favorite moment, favorite title change, like any of that? The most recent one, you know, recency bias, Aussie Open beating uh, Bishamon for the tag team titles. That yeah. was that yeah. was awesome. Um, but I can't I can't just say one favorite match or one favorite moment. Yeah. There are so many moments every show that I just love. Uh, 
you know, I, I'm the biggest Yoshinobu Kanemaru fan that there is. <laughs> and I, I, uh, anytime he does anything, I'm just, I love it. Um, and getting to pop whoever I'm working with on the, on the table, you know, just by saying stupid stuff. Yeah. That always makes me happy. Um, but a serious business, you know, when it's serious, it's time to go. And, and, um, you know, anything with Tanahashi and, and building drama and matches and, and watching him, Zack Sabre Jr. I just marvel at what he's able to do. Uh, the young lions, as they come up and as they begin to more, you know, seeing Shota Umino from his first match. And now he's going to, he's on the cusp of becoming like the next Tanahashi. So yeah, he's awesome. That's, that's pretty freaking cool. And like, you know, Okada and Omega and Jericho and uh, those guys who were instrumental in the, the, worldwide growth of of new japan world it's just been tremendous so one of my favorite things um is how you call the the naito finish that De- um destino um you sing it and i love that a lot did 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 that like just happen on the fly or was that like a cho- like that might be a really dumb question i just it's no. something that's i've it, always just found like oh like it's one of my favorite little commentary calls because it's it just get, gets me hyped every time you're familiar with a soccer announcer named andres cantor uh familiar with the name yes uh look him up because when he when a goal goes in the net oh man they just want your guy won the world cup go look that oh okay. he's crying he's crying his eyes out and it's sing, it's sing song. Um, and, and I thought that with, you know, again, Spanish name for destiny. Um, and with the LIJ connection to Mexico, I thought that it was a, a good time to bust out an impression of one of my all time favorite announcers. That's awesome. And it just, it just seemed to work. So <laughs> I, I've, I, you know, I was kind of hanging on like for e- elongating, uh, finishing moves just to because they scream over in the Japanese side they just bah. <laughs> and so I felt like I had to scream or make a long long sounding noise so I started yeah. doing that but um, Destino is like and, and I, I do it differently every time just because however it comes out uh, mm. sometimes it comes out very sing-songy sometimes it's straightforward sometimes it's more emphatic um, but yeah just try to have fun with it and <laughs> um, yeah, just to do something different. But Andres Cantor was the uh, was the uh, the modus operandi for that. The the, awesome. the main driving force. I guess that goes with the study everything concept that like you can pull from yeah. everywhere. Steal, blatantly <laughs> steal. <laughs> so many people spot. are just like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to get heat, brother. He's been dead 30 years. What is he going to do? Come back from the grave? <laughs> Take it. It's yours. Nobody else is doing it. It's amazing. We have that conversation all the time. That's the one thing. So many deaths in wrestling. Guess yeah. what? They left their moveset. And don't tell me, oh, uh, you know, I can't do that because Big Boss Man did it. Ray's not going to care. Ray wouldn't have cared anyway. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely not going to care now. Go ahead and do it. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, we kind of like to end things on a little bit of like a, a goofier side. Um, and typically we're, we're interviewing wrestlers. We'll ask them like what their favorite cheat meal is, but you having so much experience in Japan. Um, what, what's um, my favorite, what's my favorite healthy meal would be the, <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, and I know that a lot of times after those shows, you're kind of just like 
dead and ready to go back to the um, the hotel room. Let's say you finish Wrestle Kingdom miraculously. You still have all that energy. What's that go-to Japanese meal? A lot of it's dependent upon where we are staying. Mm. And there are, in neighborhoods, there are uh, certain restaurants and certain places to get food that are, you know, the same. Uh-huh. So if I'm, if you're in, if you're in Shibuya or Shinjuku or Suitabashi, whatever, it doesn't matter. You can always go to a convenience store. Uh-huh. You can always go to a convenience and get a sandwich or, you know, onigiri or a heat up meal or something. Um, and that's if you just want to grab something, go back to the room, eat and pass out. Mm. Um, there is usually fast food like a McDonald's. Uh, sometimes it depends on what time you get out, like a cocoa curry, which is very good. Mm. Um, so you've got those fast food options. Then if you wanted to, if you're a drinker and you want to have a couple of drinks, you go to an izakaya, which is a bar that has, uh, places where you could grill charcoal food, uh, Mm. vegetables, meats, et cetera. You order it, they bring it, you cook it and eat it. Then if you want to do, more of a and this is usually like a, a group setting we go out we get taken to dinner by by say a sponsor or somebody and that would uh, traditionally be yakiniku which is korean barbecue mm-hmm. uh and that's raw meat that they bring on plates and you cook it again uh or shabu shabu same thing cooked in mm-hmm. broth um but those take a long time a longer time and yeah they might be open late but I don't have the I don't have the strength or energy for any of that when I'm done with the show. Yeah, I'm on the lower end of the scale. I'll just go get something quick from Conveni, maybe a McDonald's, you know, maybe do Uber Eats, but very rarely, and go back to the room, drink a lot of fluids, and then pass out. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question though. It's it. Yeah. But you, no matter what neighborhood you could go in, you can think, okay, well, how much time do we have? What does everybody want? Mm. And then let's go seek it out. And, you know, some people feel adventurous and they go into little, you know, very small restaurants where yeah. we don't know what they're making or serving. Uh, if you if you have a little bit of Japanese or if you have a Japanese person with you, it's a little easier because they can translate. Uh, a lot of times those are like family owned restaurants and mm. they might be nervous about and and not not that they're racist or anything. But they want to make sure that you uh, are having a good experience, a good yeah. dining experience. And if they don't feel comfortable because they're f- fearful that their English is no good or they won't be able to communicate with you. Um, so they they generally try to, oh, no, please, we don't want to we don't want to insult you by giving you a bad meal. Awesome. That's great. And then I've heard that McDonald's in Japan, you think that they're better? Do you mind elaborating on and what the big differences are? I think it just, you know, it's probably less kangaroo meat and probably more cow. <laughs> uh, it, it, it just it just tastes better. It's less processed. Plus, the staff is friendly. Uh, the food is presented hot. And and you're thanked for being there. I, I cannot say. Oh, it's no, the opposite I, of any McDonald's yes, in the States. <laughs> everything, everything is better in Japan when it comes to customer service. Um, it, it, there's no comparison. Mm -hmm. There is no work ethic in America. There is no, 
um, there's no pride in, in a job well done. Americans are slovenly pigs who don't care. Uh, and when you work in Japan, you work your ass off. Yeah. And you do it with a smile on your face and you thank everybody. It's really it's a study for what we all should do every single day. Mm-hmm. That's why Chick-fil-A is is so popular. Oh, yeah. It's a chicken sandwich. It's waffle fries. We get it. But no, it's a smile and it's we and it's my pleasure. Customer yep. service is everything. And it goes back to wrestling. It goes back to promoting. It goes back to bringing people into your building. If you're presenting a, a you know, a so-so product in a dingy building, who are you going to draw? You got to brighten the place up a little bit. You got to clean up. You got to make sure the bathrooms are well stocked and clean. And you got to make sure that everything is lit and the parking lot's paved. And you got to say thank you and please and my pleasure. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Well, it's been our pleasure to have you on. We always like to end on uh, one question, and that is who are some wrestlers that you think the more people should know about? Uh, typically on like the, the independent level, but whoever you feel like deserves that platform. Well, let's, let's focus on the guys that I've seen recently in AXW. Um, and obviously top of mind, Derek Neal, mm-hmm. uh, who is somebody that I had heard of, uh, from Alabama and Kentucky and, you know, in that region of the country, Tennessee, Alabama, uh, man, he is great. Um, Derek Neal is for, is serious and should be, top of mind with a lot of fans also uh matt quay who is a local guy to pennsylvania and is only like 21 or 22 years old but he's going to be a big star uh he's tremendous and i think that uh, you know their rivalry in axw has kind of brought the best out of both of them it's really given Derek the opportunity to to shine and show what he can do but it's also provided some growth for for uh, matt quay uh, which is fantastic and and we just have uh, we have a good mix of young and veteran in, in AXW. And that's why we brought in, uh, you know, Sean Carr. We brought in TJ Boss. We we brought in, uh, who else have we brought in? Uh, Martin Stone. And we're going to continue. And Brutal Bob and Tough Tim, Tough Guy Inc. We, you know, we think that the mix of what we are got with other veteran guys who are going to be coming in uh, down the road, you know, mm-hmm. we cycle talent in and out. Uh, but obviously the golden era is something special. Goldie uh, from the Monster Factory. You saw him on the uh, on the Apple TV Plus show. Yeah, those guys are going to be something else. Uh, Goldie especially. I think Goldie's the next Adam Cole. Oh, wow. And I I wouldn't be shocked to see him in in New Japan at some point. I think he's that good. Awesome. Um, he's just a baby too. He's only like twenty two years old. Just graduated college. <laughs> So, yeah, there's a lot of really good talent out there. You just have to go and look. Okay. Um, And I hope that some of the young talent that's out there can can stop being so, you know, chasing that super indie dollar and (laughs) can figure out that you don't have to kill yourselves at this stage of your career. And so that there's something for promoters like me to buy Mm -hmm. uh, and to present to my crowd when you're not, you know, when you figured a thing or two out but not be all broken down. The problem is, is that there's nobody, very few veterans around, right? And nobody understands that's booking wrestling now. Very few understand that you need an experienced hand to guide the youngster along. 
And so I've been able to sort of corner the market with those guys because nobody knows what to do and nobody knows who to book. So, yeah, Sean Carr is available. Yeah, TJ Boss is available. Yeah, John Schuyler is available sometimes when he's not an impact. Those are the kinds of guys that you're going to bring in when you've got a young roster that you want to build around. Mm. And that's that's what we're doing in AXW. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you guys have your show coming up this Saturday. Is that correct? That's correct. Bell time is at 7 p.m. at the historic Hamburg Fieldhouse, AXWTix.com. You've got until Friday midnight to uh, to get them. Otherwise, they're available at the door. Tickets start as low as just five bucks and proceeds to benefit uh, the Autism Society of Berks County. Awesome. Well, that is an awesome cause. Awesome show. Uh, we hope people turn out for you and we'll hopefully make a show at some point down the line. But we really appreciate your time today. Um, we'd love to have you back on sometime because I feel like we touched the surface on some things and then we were able to dig in a little bit on other things. But uh, just thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much, man. My pleasure, guys. Enjoy. and We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you.